SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap. Thanks to the MoneyWeb team. They're off for a couple of days. Back on Monday, 6pm. I'm with you till 7 tonight. And boy, we've got a jam-packed show for you tonight. We're going to be chatting Carling Black Label Cup. We're chatting Formula One, Mamelodi Sundowns, some tennis. And uh, we'll also preview this weekend's Super Rugby semi-finals. Uh, that's coming up next with Craig Ray. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to South Africa's news and information leader. And then there was four. We're down to the final four teams in the 2016 Super Rugby competition. Three New Zealanders, one South African team. That starts uh, with the first semi-final, which takes place uh, tomorrow morning at the Westpac Stadium. Craig Ray joins us now. Good evening, Craig. Uh, it's disappointing there's only one South African team in, but to be honest, not too much of a surprise, I think. No, and it's one more than there are Australian teams in the competition. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> we've got to take some some solace where we can. But uh, look, the New Zealand sides have been uh, fantastic all season, haven't they? And I mean, you know, if they maybe the Crusaders had played that quarterfinal at home, we might have had four New Zealand sides in the in the semi-finals. But be that as it may, the Lions are where the uh, semi-finals have been fantastic this season. But uh, the first game, of course, is the Chiefs and the Hurricanes, and that promises to be a cracker. Yeah, I mean, these, these Kiwi derbies are always uh, something special. I mean, the standard of rugby is phenomenal. And this is a playoff game, so there's lots at stake. And, and even though in a few weeks' time a lot of these players will be playing in the same uh, sort of team for, for the All Blacks, uh, there's going to be no love lost tomorrow. No, and when you look at the historical con- contest between the Hurricanes and the Chiefs, there's nothing in it, really. I mean, they've played 27 times, the Hurricanes winning 14, the Chiefs 12 with one draw, so it's really... Nothing uh, in it. And uh, the average winning score is 23-22 to the Hurricanes. So, um, and, and last time around they met this season, it was Chiefs had won 28-27 with a point in it. So expect the same tomorrow, I'm sure. You, you're going to have a tight game. It's going to ebb and flow. There's going to be some individual brilliance. There's going to be some collective brilliance. There'll probably be one or two mistakes. Of course, we don't know. I don't know what the weather's going to be like in, in Wellington. It's going to be like it was against the Sharks last week. Um, can Bowden Barrett produce that kind of performance again in those conditions because last week in, in a howling gale and, and raining sideways, Bowden Barrett played as if it was a dry afternoon on the high felt. It was ridiculous how brilliant he was in those conditions. Um, I don't think anyone wants those conditions again, but that's always a factor in Wellington at this time of the year. So that could be a leveler as well because the Chiefs' back line is uh, pretty potent. But we saw last week against the Storm as their pack. You know, with no real names, like Brody Retallick and Sam Kane, two real stars, but the other six are pretty much uh, workmanlike forwards, and they did a brilliant job against a very good Stormers pack last week. So, you know, I think the Chiefs pack could probably edge the Hurricanes, and that could give them some sort of platform. But with John Plumtree behind the Hurricanes, they've really improved their forward play over the last few seasons as well. So that's a tough one to call this, uh, Brad, but uh, I think... We all enjoy the ride because it's going to be a high-quality match, that's for sure. Uh, conditions permitting, of course. Mm. Craig, <laughs> Scott Burgess said it at the start of the season with regards to the format of this thing, and he said he hadn't quite figured it out, but whoever wins the most games towards the end of the season is probably going to be in the playoffs. As that match stands now, how do we as South Africans want it to go if the Lions get through in their semi-finals at the finals? Yeah, is there a possibility of that happening? Yes, if the Chiefs win... They are the lowest-seeded team in the last four. So if, they, if the Chiefs win, they will have an away final, wherever that may be. So, of course, if the Lions win, they're the second seed. They will then have a home final. So from a South African point of view, we should all be cheering on the Chiefs. 
so that the Lions can have a home final. And that will be pretty rough on the Chiefs, won't it? They flew from New Zealand to Cape Town to play the Stormers, and they flew back from Cape Town to New Zealand to play the Hurricanes. And if they win that, they're going to fly back from New Zealand <laughs> to play the, the Lions in Johannesburg. And you, you'll have to say the Lions can have no excuses if they don't win that final because of what the Chiefs would have been through. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's hope the Chiefs win. But, you know, the Chiefs side are just brilliant. It's almost like travel doesn't affect them. We saw that last week. Yeah, they are. They're a, they're a class outfit. But let's talk about that sem- second semi-final. It's taking place at uh, Emirates Airline Park. The Lions were were, were brilliant last week. I mean, uh, the Crusaders are a quality outfit, and the Lions were just too good. Yes, they were playing at home at Ellis Park. They uh, they, they they do fancy themselves there. But uh, the Lions and and what Johan Ackerman's done with his team, not just this season, but it's it's been a work in progress. And and they're looking phenomenal. They host the Highlanders tomorrow afternoon. That's also going to be a cracking semi-final. Yeah, I mean, the Lions are playing good rugby, and that, that victory against Crusaders was quite an un-Lions-like performance. They had to do a lot of it without the ball last week. A lot of it was tackling and defense for long periods, and when their chances came, they took them. So it was a pretty critical performance in that sense, and that must be pretty pleasing for Johan Ackerman going into a semi-final. It's one thing to have a lot of ball and play their sort of high-tempo basketball-style rugby, and I say that with the greatest respect, uh, but it's another thing to grind out a win without the ball and a convincing win at that. So the Lions are showing they're an all-season team. They can play any type of rugby, and uh, they're just getting better and better. Than it. We were discussing a little earlier, though, no Warren Likely is a bit of a blow. He's a, he's a vital cog. You know, he makes a, a mountain load of tackles, and he's also a great link player. But Ruan Ackerman, the coach's son, playing at eighth man, is a bruising hard eighth man. And I think against the Highlanders, that's quite a good call in some ways. I think it might even be uh, by hooker by crook maybe a better call in some ways against the Highlanders because they've chosen a pretty abrasive combative pack so you expect it's going to be uh, hard hard going in the tight exchanges maybe Ackerman's a little bit more physical in those tight exchanges yeah, without a doubt, and, and Whiteley's also just really inspirational. I mean, he, he really G's that team up and, and, and leads from the front, so I think he will be missed, but I think you are right from a, a physical point of view. But let's talk about the, the changes, and with Whiteley out, obviously players come in onto the bench because of, of the way things have, have had to be shifted around, and, and I hate to say it, but that Lions bench looks looks a bit thin. It does. I mean, you know, the Cornet for either Prop and Armand van der Merwe have been pretty good all season, but the rest, we... We don't know a lot about them. You know, you've got Stefan de Witt, you've got Lawrence Erasmus, uh, Jacques van Rooyen. I mean, how, how many see we know? And, and Jacques van der Waal a little bit. But it's really a callow-looking bench. And that worries me a little bit. Now, the bench is always vital in the last 20 minutes. The Highlanders will have had to travel. And when you think of the Highlanders' travel schedule in the last month, they are going to feel the effects of it in the last 20. But that's also going to be combined with a very inexperienced Lions bench coming on. So... It's going to be a case, I think, like last week, the Lions need to get their noses in front early and, and force the Highlanders to play catch-up. The Highlanders are not a... Uh, you know, they they kick a lot, and they like to play field position. And so if you make them chase the game, maybe they're not as effective as other New Zealand sides who can run it from 80 metres. I'm not saying the Highlanders can't do that, but their style of play is, is they're, the, they're the biggest kickers of the ball in super rugby. And, and what they like to do is then play field position and then attack. So if you're forcing them to attack from deep positions and take them out of their natural game, that might make things interesting. So the Lions are going to have to do it. But I think that Lions starting 15 is a fantastic 15. And they've got this great continuity in their selection, haven't they, widely notwithstanding. But generally speaking, that's the same 15 that uh, the duty last week and, and, and the week before. Well, not the week before, no, in Argentina, yeah. the week before that in their last key game. 
Um, so they, they really do have some continuity going on. But it's, it's filled with great skirmishes across the field. You've got Wysaki Nahola and Ruan Combrink up against each other. Aaron Smith against Foster Clark. Um, Lima Sopoanga against Alton Jainchis. And then the unknown James Lynchies, the open side flank for the Highlanders up against Jaco Creel. We don't know much about Lynchies, but uh, clearly if they've selected him, he's got something about him um, to combat Creel in particular in the battle for the ball and the breakdown. So it's a fascinating clash. Against two sides, between two sides, let's be honest, that, don't, that aren't filled with internationals. The Lions have added a few this season. But uh, the Highlanders as well, they're not full of all-backs. They've got Aaron Smith and Ben Smith. And, and those are the only two sort of uh, regular all-backs in that entire side. Malachi Sekito is a, a, a fringe player in the all-back series, Waisaki Naholo, and that's about it, really. And Lima Sopong has got a couple of caps. So, so really, they also put like the Lions, the unfashionable team of New Zealand, who are coming through really well. Well, I was going to say, Craig Gray, a lot of Lions fans will be saying there should be a lot more Lions in the Springbok setup, but it's going to be it's going to be a fantastic game of rugby. Kick off three o'clock tomorrow afternoon at Emirates Airline Park. We'll have uh, crossings for you on SAFM Sports Special this weekend with John Carricker uh, from three o'clock. So make sure you stay tuned for that, Craig. Enjoy the game. Enjoy both of them because I think they are going to be two fantastic games of rugby. I can't wait. I can't wait either. And I've just had a quick look at the weather in, in Wellington. It's going to be gale force winds and rain. So. <laughs> it's probably not going to be a great spectacle. But anyway, we'll enjoy it nonetheless. I'm calling a one-pointer once again. Craig, great. Thank you very much for that. Uh, much appreciated. We look forward to catching up again soon. Dwayne, what are you doing? Well, I'm just... Yeah, yeah. Come here and let me show you. You need to be gentle, Exe. Gentle. Just go up and down. Slowly, ne? Not this rush, rush of yours. Thanks. Can I paint now? Tabo Daniels is taking time out to help paint a nearby high school with local kids. Like Tatu Mandela, he believes in the power of communities. Join the SABC and people like Tabo as we celebrate the spirit of Nelson Mandela. How will you be more Madiba? Join the conversation on hashtag BeMoreMadiba. SABC brings you the Rio 2016 Olympics live on SABC TV channels and SAFM. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, chatting some football now, and in the past it's sort of officially heralded the start of the APSA Premiership season. This year slightly different because of the Rio Olympic Games, but the Carling Black Label Cup goes ahead nonetheless tomorrow afternoon at the FNB Stadium. Orlando Pirates up against Kaiser Chiefs, the first of uh, this season's Soweto derbies, and it should be a great spectacle. We join now by football reporter from The Citizen, Tembin Kosi Sepkhapane. Uh, Tembin Kosi, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, the excitement building. Can't believe we, we're talking the new season already, but uh, there's always a lot of interest around Soweto Hi, Brad. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, uh, just a few weeks away from uh, the start of the new season, and obviously uh, the season starts off with uh, the Kaling Label Cup between Orlando Pirates and Kaiser Chiefs. There's been lots of changes, and let's start with, with Pirates first. There's been lots of changes at the Buccaneers, particularly from a, a management perspective. New coach, new assistant coach. Uh, how, do you, how do you see Pirates coming into this thing? I mean, they've always, I say they've always, they've, they've pretty much dominated this Carling Black Label Cup since its inception. Uh, is, is that going to continue tomorrow? And, and how quickly do you think Mushin Etegrill and Bradley Connell have settled at, uh, at the Buccaneers? Well, uh, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the both of them did very, uh, they are 
highly respected uh, coaches uh, with what they've achieved so far. Uh, but uh, in tomorrow's game, you know, it's mostly about uh, the fans choosing the people that they like. And I must say that uh, the Pirates fans have selected a very strong squad. I mean, it's a squad of, of players that you would expect uh, Mushin Etugal to select for a derby as well. So, yeah, they've selected a very good squad. So I don't really, you know, think that uh, uh, there's, uh, having new management will affect uh, Orlando Pirates' chances of winning this, but uh, I think they have a very strong squad for tomorrow's game. Let's look at uh, Kaiser Chiefs and some of some of the names that we can expect out there tomorrow. Actually, for both teams, I mean, some 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 new new faces uh, as far as personnel goes. It'll be interesting to see how they slot into the structures of both clubs. Yeah, uh, especially on Kaiser Chiefs' side, Ake uh, Stain, Pule uh, Stain. He's a fan favorite, and he's someone who doesn't feature. Uh, quite a lot for the team in the second half of the season. Uh, but uh, the fans have put their faith in him by voting and getting him in the starting uh, lineup. And on the Pirates side, you've got a player like uh, striker Tamsang Dabuza, who's done very well for Bafana Bafana and Orlando Pirates. But uh, after the departure of Kenny Rasmus to France, uh, in the second half of the season, you know, he, he struggled to to form a working partnership with some of the actors in the team. Uh, you know, he, uh, the partnership wasn't as effective as the one that he had with Erasmus, and uh, the coach was, was forced to drop him. But it seems the Orlando Pirates supporters have also voted for him, much like Eggstein. They've put their faith in, in him, and they've voted for him, and now he's back in the starting eleven. And you have been alongside Ndoro, who's been doing very well with, uh, who's been doing very well for Orlando Pirates. So, yeah, I mean, Gabuza and Eggstein are, I think, the players to watch tomorrow. Let's touch quickly on, on Coach Steve Compella. As far as Kaiser Chiefs go and, and their high standards, particularly the, the standards that the, the fans hold him to, last season wasn't the most successful. I know there were, were quite a few disgruntled and unhappy fans uh, at the end of last season with the, the lack of silverware. How important is it tomorrow to get off to a winning start for Steve Compella, even though, like you say, the fans have, have essentially picked the lineup. But uh, if, if Chiefs don't win tomorrow, it's, it's not a good start for the season uh, for, for the coach. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a, it wouldn't be a good start for him. And uh, a lot of questions will be asked, obviously, to say, uh, is Kaiser Chiefs going to have a terrible season like the one that they had last season, uh, they, they had in the previous season, or will they now start fighting for silverware in the next season? But I think, I mean, for them winning the Culling Black Label Cup, it would take off uh, the pressure a little bit off of him and off of some of the players that have, that have, uh, that uh, a lot of fans have been pointing fingers to to say, you know, we're not doing well because of player A, B, and C. And I think if they win the cup tomorrow, they'll take the pressure off Steve Hombella as well as uh, some of the players. Are you willing to stick your neck out? Uh, I am. Give us a give us give us a prediction. A prediction. I would have to say. Uh, I have to say three one to Orlando Pirates. You know you're breaking all Amakosi's fans' uh, hearts right now, <laughs> Timmy Kosi. 
I know I am. I know I am. Uh, I know a friend of mine who's not very happy with me, right? Who's tuning in and who's not very happy with me right now. But that is how I see it, you know. And it's it's obvious. I'm I'm 10-3-1 because of uh, you know the the I'd say the midfield, the four midfielders chosen by by Kaiser Chiefs. I mean, for me, they haven't really worked together, and I don't see them. Uh, you know, I don't see them controlling the middle field. I think Orlando Paris is going to dominate the middle field, especially with the return of the captain, Upa Manisa. And, I mean, he's been out for a while, and he's obviously going to try and prove himself to tomorrow. And, you know, he's been out since, I think, last year, September, because of an injury. And this is his first game since uh, last September. So I think he's going to control the midfield and make things happen in the midfield. I'm excited to see him back in action as well. And some would say you also conspiring to get uh, coach Steve Compella fired, but we'll leave that for a, a, another day <laughs> as well. <laughs> Tevin Kwasi, thank you so much for your time here on SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Much appreciated. Enjoy the game tomorrow. And uh, I know all the Orlando Pirates fans are, are hoping that you're right and uh, all the, the Kaiser Chiefs fans not. So thanks. Enjoy the game. <laughs> Thank you very much, Fred. Thanks for having me on the show. The unbelievable Specsavers winter promotion is now on. For a limited period only, you can get a free frame up to the value of 1,500 rand. Yes, that's right. A free frame at Specsavers. Or get up to 1,500 rand off your lens enhancements. You get to choose. Visit specsavers.co.za for more information. Offer available for a limited time only. Teasancies apply. Specsavers for affordable eye care and a whole lot more. In focus this Sunday, they don't have ID books and are therefore not allowed to vote. But their inability to obtain birth certificates for their children causes much bigger problems for thousands of Lesotho citizens in the Eastern Free State. Children go to bed hungry and may not attend schools. We try to determine whether Home Affairs is assisting foreign citizens on our borders and what their rights are. Focus. Incisive and insightful. Sunday evening at 6 p.m. only on SABC2. SAFM Sports Wrap. It's going to be another busy sporting weekend this weekend, although the Tour de France concluded last weekend. There's live cricket, but there's also Formula One to look forward to. And uh, today was free practice ahead of the German Grand Prix. We're joined now by Natalie Leclue. Natalie, welcome back onto SAFM Sports Wrap. Uh, pretty much one way traffic in, in free practice one and two today. Unfortunately so, Brad, and good afternoon to you as well. Uh, teams Mercedes are set for another dominant weekend around the Hockenheim ring. We haven't been here since 2014, so we thought, hmm, maybe we'll see a little bit, something a little bit different this weekend, but it doesn't seem to be the case, at least after Friday. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I mean, things are looking pretty interesting in, in the championship uh, as it stands right now, but there's lots happening off the track as well. Let's let's touch on, on what's happening at Ferrari, because <laughs> I, I don't even want to say it, but it's it's not pretty. It, it really isn't. It's a, quite an uncomfortable place that Ferrari find themselves uh, in at the moment, and we're not even talking about what's happening on the track. <laughs> of course, if you haven't heard the news, the chief technical designer, James Allison, has left the team. Now, we don't believe that he's going to, uh, to another team. Of course, he suffered a very tragic loss earlier in the season, so it's more than likely that he's going off to, to spend some time with his family. But it leaves Ferrari in quite a predicament. They have promoted Mattia Bonotto, who's the guy responsible for the power unit department, and he's now taken over as chief technical officer. But 
Honestly, Brad, you can't help feeling that this is a bit of a band-aid that Ferrari are trying to put on uh, that, on something that could potentially be a very big problem for them. We'll have to watch that one very, very closely. There was uh, news today as well about uh, the new Halo head. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, of course, the Halo head protection system has been developed in order to improve the safety um, uh, even more in Formula One, and especially, of course, around the head of the drivers. Now, the system has been trialed so, so far in practice sessions. Everybody was expecting this to be, of course, implemented in time for the 2017 season. However, after a meeting with the strategy group yesterday, it has now been delayed until 2018. And the irony is that most of the drivers who were not in favor of this had finally come on board and finally started accepting that we are going to see this system. But now, again, it's been delayed. And it seems like the main reason for this delay, uh, as Charlie Whiting, uh, the chief race director, has said, the delay seems to have to do with around the issues of visibility when the system is on the car. Interesting indeed. Uh, let's talk about what's going to happen tomorrow. Third free practice, qualifying. What what times are we looking at? It's pretty similar to, to South Africa. Time zones aren't yeah. too different. Yeah, that's the nice thing about European races for us South Africans. It's it's pretty much the same time zone. So we're looking at the, the third pre-practice session tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. And, of course, then the qualifying session at 2 p.m. And main race on Sunday? Also going to be at 2 p.m. And, of course, that's going to be the most important one, especially for Nico Rosberg, German at the German Grand Prix. You have a feeling that if Lewis Hamilton gets one over him here, it could be tickets for the championship. Interesting indeed. Are you prepared to call it? Do you think uh, Rosberg will have the edge because it's his home Grand Prix? He should have the edge, but I just don't have the feeling that he will. He may come out on top on Saturday, but I think Lewis Hamilton more than ever, even more than wanting to win his home British Grand Prix, he will want to desperately get one over Nico Rosberg here in Germany. However, we're unlikely to see them push each other too hard going into that first corner. Let's not forget, Germany, of course, is Mercedes' home race, and a lot of the big bosses are keeping a very keen eye on these two guys. I guess the last thing you want is the two Mercedes to crash into each other on corner number one. Yeah, that would not go down very well, even worse than Austria. But I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to a close race between the two of them. Um, and you know, behind them as well. Yes, Red Bull and Ferrari are behind them, but it looks like it could be a close race between them as well. I pay good money to see that. Natalie Leclerc, thank you so much uh, for that update. Uh, John Carrick will chat to you tomorrow afternoon and Sunday afternoon on SAFN Sports Special. Uh, have, have yourself a great weekend and enjoy the race on Sunday. You too. SAFN Sports Wrap. You're listening to South Africa's news and information leader, and so yeah, it should be a fascinating, fascinating weekend of Formula One action. Uh, right now, though, it's time to chat uh, some tennis. We've got uh, some wonderful uh, tennis taking place in Montreal, and there's uh, quite a big South African interest uh, today, particularly. And uh, we head uh, to Montreal now to catch up with Catherine Whitaker. Catherine, welcome on to SAFM Sports Chat. Nice to, to chat again. Uh, first up in the men's singles, Kevin Anderson showing some form. He's been struggling of late, but uh, he's, he's managed to string a couple of decent matches together so far this week. Point Kevin Anderson in his uh, struggles. 
platform to regain confidence. We're actually in Toronto this year, the event swings between Montreal and Toronto. It's the WTA event that's in Montreal. Anderson out on court at the moment. He's up against Stan Brinker, his first Masters 1000 quarterfinal of the year, his sixth overall. He's never reached a semi-final. Boy, would he love to. But, of course, he's got his work cut out for him against second seed. Things well in the early stages. He's lost a break early on. He's lost two down. It is actually a great point to Vavrinka for a double break in the first set. He certainly looks nervous, and I think that's understandable. This is a big week for Kevin Anderson, regardless of what happens today. It can still be a certain point for him. I think a very big win in the first round against Victor Trichke. A slice of luck in the second round. Tiring injured in the first set, and then yesterday a very impressive victory against Bernard Tomic, overturning an 0 and 4 head to head, and uh, overturning a one set deficit to come through that one. So regardless of what happens today, the Rinker is the same. Not this early. A big week for Kevin Anderson. Yeah, that it is. Catherine, also, just uh, unfortunately not the greatest of lines, but uh, I'm just looking at uh, the, the sort of lineup today as well. And uh, Raven Clarkson in action in, in the doubles as well today. Yes, he, uh, I can bring you better news of him. He is currently five the first set with his. Yeah, unfortunately that line's not the greatest. Let's let's try and get Catherine back on just so we can get that score. I'll give you some golf scores in the meantime. Uh, if uh, my producer would uh, just try and get uh, Catherine back on the line in just a second, uh, Catherine, uh, it seems like the line is better. Are you still are you still there? I am, and the G Ram. No, unfortunately, that line. 5-3, they leave 15 love. 5-3, 15 love is what I got there. But let's, let's try and get uh, Catherine back on. Let me give you a quick golf score. Uh, looking at the USPGA that's taking place uh, this weekend as well. It is round two. Uh, and uh, it's happening in Springfield, New Jersey. Jimmy Walker still holds the lead. He hasn't come out on course just yet yet to tee off. He'll be teeing off very, very shortly. Uh, he's on five under. Martin Keimer uh, is on four under as well. He's even par through 16. But someone who's been on a massive run today is Jordan Spieth. He's four under for the round after an even par round yesterday. So he's just one off the pace. I do believe we have uh, Catherine back on. Let's uh, head back to... Uh, we don't have... We'll get her back in just a moment. Uh, Henrik Stenson's also on four under, so a big group of players on four under. Uh, Webb Simpson there too. And just scrolling down the leaderboard to see where the South Africans are sitting right now. And uh, I don't see a South African flag in sight, unfortunately. Uh, not looking good. There we go. Brandon Grace also yet to tee off. He's still level par after an opening round 70 yesterday. It was a big week for Mamelodi Sundowns this week as well. Uh, a big victory that sees them through to the semi-finals of the CAF uh, Champions League. And and uh, we'll chat to Pizzo Mosimani. We'll hear from Pizzo Mosimani next. SAFM Sports Wrap. On to some football, and Mamelodi Sundowns are ready to face any team in the CAF Champions League semi-finals. Uh, that, according to coach Pizzo Mosimani. The Brazilians qualified for the last four after they beat Egyptian giant Zamalek 1-0 on Wednesday night. Sundowns are guaranteed to finish top of their group with a match to spare. They've amassed nine points in, uh, in three points, which are insurmountable. The Brazilians will also play the second leg of the semi-final at home for their exploits. It's not clear yet which team Sundowns are likely to face in the last four from the other group. Wider Casablanca from Morocco, who eliminated the reigning champions Tipe Mazembe and Zesco United from Zambia, are tied on seven points each, with the Moroccans on top on goal difference. Mosimane says uh, he won't reveal his ideal opponents for the semis. No, in football there's nothing like attitudes. I told you when we were in the group that Group B is the most difficult, 
But I did tell you, I said sometimes we say in group B might be very difficult, but when there's too, too many teams who are difficult, some draws, and you start winning, it becomes an easier group. You remember I said I, I'd like to, to be on the other group, but no, no, I, I, tonight I'll remain on this group. Yeah, that's important. That's important for the second leg. Yeah, we wish you can fill the stadium. Eh? That would be nice. Eh? But, uh, you know, we're still not yet understanding the international football in South Africa. But it will come with time. You know, what, what, what can we do? Sundowns will play their last match against Inyimba on the 23rd of next month away from home. They'll go on a mini break until they assemble again for a camp to prepare for uh, the Dr. Hag Gengob Cup in Namibia alongside Orlando Pirates. The tournament also featuring two Namibian teams will take place over two days from the 6th to the 7th of August at the Independence Stadium in Vintuk. Mosimane says his team will be going all out to defend the title they've won twice over the last two seasons. We are on holiday, you know that. Eh? You know we go away. After the match, we go away. We will assemble five days before again and, uh, and see what you do. But um, we have a game in uh, Namibia. Uh, Dr. Hingo, the president of Namibia Cup, is our third year we play. We've won it two times. We'd like to win it the third time and keep the trophy. But it's going to be a different game because normally we play the, the, the main team to play and all that. But uh, I don't think we'll put the main team because it will be a week before Enyimba. And we're playing against Orlando Pirates. And you know, Orlando Pirates has really, really strengthened the team from goalkeeper coach to assistant coach to the head coach. I said it earlier today on PM Live, what a fantastic performance. I don't care who you support uh, in South Africa, which PSL team. I think every single one of us is extremely proud of what Mamelodi Sundowns has done so far this season. And let's hope they can go all the way. That's it for SAFM Sports Wrap for this week. I'll be back again on Monday for PM Live. We've got sport for you tomorrow afternoon and Sunday afternoon. SAFM Sports Special with John Kerricker. More sport for you tomorrow morning on AM Live. It is the Friday edition up next. Thanks to my team uh, once again in Joburg for keeping things together today. Right now, though, it is 7 o'clock and time for your news.